Hello there, Brian from the Franchise Radio Show. Terrific to have you along and uh, very special today. <laughs> the candles are out. I've got the cake. <laughs> At the moment, I've got a glass of cup of coffee, but later on, it'll be champagne because this is our Franchise Radio Show number 150, 150. Isn't it amazing? Huh? Started off as a teleconference, having phone calls on a dodgy phone line, but there we are. Nothing dodgy about today, though, because I've got somebody join me today, Sam Phelps, that I was introduced to by a good friend and a mentor and a man I admire, and you probably listen to one or two of his radio shows I've had Paul done and uh, Paul introduced me to Stan a while back and we circled around for a while to find a time to catch up so uh, the thing about Stan is he's got a fascinating background he's a lovely character which always helps doesn't it but he's a TEDx speaker he's a Forbes contributor IBM futurist and he's a certified speaking professional and he focuses really on customer experience and uh, Stan over the years has had a lot of quite formidable marketing roles leadership roles with people uh, like Adidas, IMG, the sports management people, PGA of America and Synergy. So he certainly knows his way around the corporate boardrooms. Um, he's the best-selling author of the Goldfish series of books. And that's what, I suppose, attracted me to Stan. He's got these lovely mini books and so forth. And they all focus on the little ways to drive differentiation, how to increase loyalty and promote positive word of mouth, you know, reputation. He's spoken at over 600 events in 19 countries. And uh, Wherever you are listening to to us today, North America, Europe, Australia, he's, I'm certain he's been there. <laughs> he holds a, an MBA from Villanova University, a certificate of achieving breakthrough service from Harvard. So uh, quite recognisable. He, he lives in Cary, North Carolina with his wife, Jenny, and his two boys. So I'd like to welcome Stan along. Stan, thank you so much for making the time to come and join us today. Excited to be here, Brian. Congrats on 150. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, not feeling that old, but you know. <laughs> the clock keeps ticking. <laughs> so you may have already guessed the sort of title today. It's called The Importance of Differentiation, because that's where Stan, I think, stands out. He is different in himself, I think. He's got a lovely personality, and he's made this sort of uh, topic his own, I think. So Stan, to get started, was there anything you want to add to your little intro that I put together there? No, I mean, I couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> Here we go. So, <laughs> but, you know, we, we do share a good friend in Paul Dunn, and we mm. connected when I I was talking about the red goldfish, That's which right. is one of the colors in the series. So again, glad to be here. Excellent. So let's kick on. And it's, it, let's suppose let's give people a broader understanding of what we're talking about. What's all these goldfish? <laughs> so you write about the importance of differentiation in customer and employee experience. Let's get down to it. What's the metaphor of the goldfish that you apply so cleverly? Yeah. So Brian, the goldfish is just a metaphor for growth. My very, do you remember your very first pet, Brian? I do. Yeah. 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 My, mine was a goldfish. What was yours? A snowy, a cat. But actually, I did have goldfish, and they may well. That or a that bit might of, have been your first as well. Yeah, that oh. or a bit of frog spawn I collected from down the railway line that grew into a frog. I'm not sure. <laughs> Tadball. So for me, it was a goldfish, and I'll never forget it. I, I wanted it at a carnival. And the average goldfish is the size of your thumb. So about three inches or about eight to nine centimeters. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that the world's largest goldfish, not a koi or a carp, 
are, but just an ordinary goldfish. The largest one in the world is nearly 20 inches or almost 50 centimeters. Wow. And so that really intrigued me. Why, you know, why do some goldfish grow to be average, you know, your, your thumb? And by the way, 50 centimeters, 20 inches is about the size of an average domesticated house cat. It would yeah. be like walking out of your house and bumping into somebody who's six times your size, like three stories tall. And so that intrigued me. And it come to find out that a goldfish will grow. There are five reasons why that goldfish will grow, Brian. But those same five reasons apply to everyone who's listening right now, because those same five factors are why you will be able to grow in business. And so I'll break them down really quick for you. Most people have heard the first one. It's the size of the bowl or the pond. Does that make sense? Like the bigger the bowl, the bigger the pond, the more you can grow. Yeah, yeah. So think about it in business or for your franchise, that's simply what? The, the market that you serve. Mm. And does it make sense? The bigger the market, the more, more you can grow. The second thing for a goldfish is their growth is also determined by the amount of other goldfish in that bowl or pond. Uh. And this one works in the opposite fashion. So the more goldfish there are, the harder it is to grow. And so who are the other goldfish in business? It's your competition. Yeah. Yeah. And so the third factor is the quality of the surrounding environment. So if you're a goldfish, the clearer the water and the more nutrients in the water, the more they grow. If the water is cloudy and there are no nutrients, it stunts their growth. So what's that external environment if you're in business? Yeah, it's, it's simply the, the It's as simple as that, I guess. Well, yeah, it's the market, but I would even go more macro than that. It's simply the, the economic conditions, right? The economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your growth is, you know, your ability to raise capital, supply chain, regulations, tariffs, consumer confidence, people's willingness to purchase. All of those things affect your ability to grow. So the fourth thing, if you're a goldfish, is how you do in your first 120 days of life. So they're tiny when they're born, Brian. They're about the size of the top of a pin. They have 80 to 100 brothers and sisters when they're born. (laughs) So how they get out of the gate is absolutely key. And the better they do in those first four months, the bigger they ultimately get. And so what's that? What do you call your first four months in business? In your case, it may be you're a new franchise or if you're completely starting a new business, right? You're a startup. Yeah, you're training, support, nurturing, all those things. Yeah, okay. And how you get out of the gate, even if you, even if you've already been established, when you launch a new product or a new service, how it does in that critical time is a factor of growth. Now, here's number five: if you're a goldfish, your genetic makeup. So, mm. what are you born with that separates you from all of the other goldfish? And the stronger your genes are, and the more that you achieve that separation, the bigger you get. And conversely, if your genes are weak and you're like everyone else, the less you typically grow. Wow. That's your disc profile. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, kind of, right? And so I and so here's the thing. I tell people, if you've already been in business, for, you're listening right now and you've been in business for more than four months, we can throw that one out. What do you have control over? Does anyone have control over the market? <laughs> Definitely not. We all got no. proof of that. <laughs> and you don't have control over your competition, right? Not unless you're acquiring them, mm. right? And I tell people, I joke, I, I, Brian, I say, does anyone here have who's listening have control over the economy? <laughs> because please see me after this podcast, right? <laughs> the only thing you can control is how that, that genetic makeup, how do you differentiate what you do? And more importantly, how you do it and why you do it in business. And so the metaphor of the goldfish is really to get people to think about how do you differentiate how you provide 
provide that experience for your customers. That was the original purple goldfish that started the entire series. Love it. No, that's uh, it just makes so much sense. My brain's running at 100 miles an hour. I'm drawing up all these analogies and experiences. Oh, no. (laughs) The one I find particularly striking is that four months. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you think about it, when you invest into a franchise, the beautiful thing is you're investing into a system, Mm. right? You're not having to recreate the wheel. Yeah. And that's that's one of the, I think, the biggest advantages that you have, that you have a system that you buy into and you really can hit the ground running, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I see that as the analogy for a new franchisor who's got an established business. They get their systems really sorted. They focus on basically repeating that same model simply as they possibly can. So they're already going at pace. Yeah, it gives you that opportunity. That makes sense, Stan. So we've got more colors to come. (laughs) So why do you use the colors in your book series? It's quite fascinating. Yeah, so I mentioned the first one was purple and that was followed by green and then gold. And the colors for at least the first three were a reference to New Orleans, mm-hmm. you know, the iconic city yeah. here in the States. And it's most famous event, which is Mardi Gras. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they happen to be the three official colors of Mardi Gras, Ryan. And the reason why it's an ode to New Orleans is because there's one word that comes from New Orleans that exemplifies this idea of doing a little something extra to differentiate how you do your business. And it's it's a word that Mardi the, the American author Mark Twain said was worth traveling all the way to New Orleans to get. And it's a word called lanyard. Lanyard. Yeah. So it's a Creole word meaning French and Spanish in origin. And it literally means the gift or to give more. Okay. And so if you were, it started in the 1800s, if you were doing business with somebody in New Orleans, it was common for the business to go above and beyond just the transaction to do a little something extra mm. to honor the relationship. Yeah. And so that that was the significance of the first three colors. Purple was about your customer. I learned that the great companies, Brian, didn't put their customers first. They actually put their employees first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that led to the green, which this is a US thing. Green meeting, how do you go beyond the dollars that you pay to, to engage your employees and reinforce your culture? And then gold was simply, you know, a, a recognition that not all of your customers and all of your employees are created equal, mm. right? For most businesses, 80% of your profitability comes from just 20% of your clients and customers, yep. right? Um, 80% of the value that's created within an, an, an enterprise typically is created by just 20% of the people. Absolutely. That Pareto principle, it's uh, it pops up everywhere, doesn't it? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Do you know the fascinating story behind it? Try me. So An Italian mathematician. Italian economist who one day was walking through his garden and picking vegetables for dinner and he stopped in front of this pea plant and he got the idea to take every one of the pods off the plant and then he carefully opened each of the pods. What do you think he found, Brian? 80% of the peas, just 20% of the pods. Now, he was 59 when he found that out. Then later on, he studied land ownership in Italy and what he found was the same thing. 80% of the land owned by just 
20% of the people. Mm. Now he dies in right after World War One. he passes away. And 20 years go by and nobody picks up on that ratio. So an American named Joseph Duran, he's like the grandfather of Six Sigma. He was a big quality guy. He's working for the US government and we're sending shipments to England before mm. we got to World War II. Well, Joseph Duran was studying the defects in the shipments and he found that 80% of the defects were attributed to just 20% of the causes. Wow. And he came across Pareto's work and he's the one that coined the 80-20 principle. Wow. That's great, but here's what I would love people to listen to is not the 80-20 principle. Duran actually created his own law, Brian. And his law was, Duran's law was called, and I love this, he called it the law of the vital few and the trivial many. Wow. And so the golden goldfish is really understanding who are your best clients and customers and who are your best team members and employees. That's a lovely story and it resonates. So, uh, well, ideally, what we're discussing today from the point of view of different, the importance of differentiation. Keep leading me down this fascinating path, Stan. Please do. Because you, you sure. say that you've, you've made the point here, I think. You just said all customers and employees are not created equal. So yeah. would I be... Some are, di- some, are just more e- some are just more equal than others, Ryan. Or isn't that an expression <laughs> So, so here's the thing. I'm just saying for all of your customers and all of your employees, you tr- you don't treat everyone the same. Mm. You treat everyone fairly. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So you've probably covered my next question already then. So you've really explained about the difference between people. You know, I was going to ask you, why is it that they're not created equal? But I think you've probably covered that adequately there. So yeah. thank you for that one. So the, the big point you make is there's only two ways to differentiate in business from our earlier conversation stand. So how do you avoid being normal? And I've underlined that because I think normal is such a big word. Yeah, I mean, if we if we're being honest, we're all constrained by the norms, right? In fact, research shows that only about 3% of people have the ability to think and act differently. And my co-author on the Pink Goldfish, which was one of my favorites in the series, Brian, my co-author and I looked at over 400 organizations that had achieved competitive separation. They truly stand out. And we tried to break down why they were able to do that. And it turns out I mean, there's eight different ways, but really they only fall into two buckets. There are only two ways to stand out. And that's one, by doing more of what makes you unique in business. So what makes you, in some cases, weird or flawed, like the things that truly make you unique. One strategy is to do more of what makes you unique, right? Not try to follow what everyone else does as normal. And then the second strategy, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, but this is choose the second strategy is choosing to do less of what everyone else does as normal. So focus on the difference in a well, big yeah, time. focus. Yeah, e- either focus on what makes you unique and do more of that, or look at what everyone else does as normal and do less of some of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? One of the worst things I think we do in business is that we look to whoever is the leader, right? Yeah. We probably do this in franchise as well. Who's the top franchise? 
franchise franchisee in the system. And let's start to break down what makes them successful. And we start to benchmark those things. And then what do we do next if we, whether we want to admit it or not, Brian? We just, yeah, re replicate what they've done. Uh, so it's follow, follow the same. And, and here's the thing, that's good. And especially in a franchise when you're trying to create parity, right? Mm. And a consistent experience, that's important. But here's the thing, that other franchise that's maybe in another market is not like your market. And so what makes them successful doesn't necessarily make you successful. And so you need to do more of what makes you unique and less of what everyone else, your comp especially your competition does as just normal. So that's really the role of the franchisor in a case like a franchise system where the franchisees subject to geographical and, and you know, variations and, and so forth. But from the franchisor's point of view, it's their role and they're, they're the only ones in the position really to make that point of difference from their competition. If they make hamburgers or pizzas, you've got to make sure they're damn different to everybody else. Yeah. And absolutely. And, and lean into what makes you either lean into what makes you unique hmm. or purposefully do less of what the others yeah. do more of. So it's a two way street, isn't it? You're doing both really. You yeah. And, it, and if you think about it, one of the mistakes that we always try to do is try to be great at everything. Hmm. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't lead to greatness. It leads to mediocrity. Yeah. And so what you find is highly differentiated and successful organizations by doing less of some things, it frees up time and resources and focus to the things that really make you stand out. Yeah, I've just been watching the foot, the Women's Football World Cup and uh, unfortunately the US got knocked out. But the, the point there is you can see that the teams that win are the ones whose, whose players focus. They don't run around chasing where they're not going to catch the ball. Whereas a lot right. of people run around like rabbits, just all over the place and all they're doing is exhausting themselves and um, giving an opening for the opposition yeah okay all right good no I like that that's really fascinating this is proving to be a, quite a profound conversation we're having here Stan I can see why you created that series with Goldfish it's uh, fascinating so have I exhausted you on that particular part about the differentiation yeah, less than normal hmm okay yeah. now, accentuate your difference your point of difference yeah yeah the other one is a, 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 a an expression that's used commonly and uh, I think this is also from your purple goldfish have I got my notes right so you talk about the idea of the lowest hanging fruit perhaps you could expand with your thoughts and your approach because I'm sure it's different to my initial concept of it so please go ahead so you know the, the idea of the lowest hanging fruit is you know what could you do that could be the most effective effective element to grow your business right and what I found it, one of the 10 different types of purple goldfish is the concept of sampling and there's probably a not not a more effective thing that you can do to influence purchase intent than to do sampling. But Brian, where I think most people go wrong is we think about sampling as something that you do to try to get a customer to come in. And what research shows us is that the customers that do business with us of 100% of what we can do for them, the majority of your customers only know about 20% of your capabilities. Yeah. And so I love this idea of sampling is how do you give your current customers, right? The ones that are already with you. How do you give them a little additional taste of your capabilities? How do you sample some of those things, right? As a little something extra that you can do. And, so, and that's the beauty. Right. So can I just interrupt? How do you get them to buy more? So is this when they are established customers or when you are actually approaching people or they're, they're approaching you? So you can do it both ways. I think most people think about sampling as a prospective customer. Hmm. But what I'm saying
saying is, and where I think the lowest hanging fruit is, how do you do it for the customers you already have? Yeah, yeah. Because once they're, you know, once they're buying two things from you and you can take them to buying three of your services, they're, you know, the ability to keep them is increased. Mm. You have a bigger share of their wallet. And if you do a great job, you're going to create those referrals and word of mouth. So even in cases where you feel you've done a good job, you've done enough, it's adding that extra level of, of icing to the cake. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not give them an opportunity to experience what else you can do for them? Mm. Right. Yeah. And I think that gets missed too often in business. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. My mind's working at 100 miles an hour now because I'm damn sure there's quite a quite a few things there that uh, we could do that wouldn't be of great you know, hassle or expense to us, but we could provide it and it would make an impact. Yeah. So that's the way to think. So I hope you're all understanding this, everyone that's listening now and uh, making a few notes. And don't worry, I will give you some contact details for Stan later on. So Stan, I'm talking to Stan Phelps, the uh, the, the creator of the meth- metaphors of the goldfish. So let's continue through our, our spectacular uh, rainbow of goldfish colours that we've got here. So I suppose um, when we come through then to the, what was it, the third one you mentioned, I think the green one, which you said was US oriented. I presume it's from the greenback, you know, from the dollar or something like that, is it? Exactly. It's the idea of how do you go beyond dollars to yeah. drive employee engagement? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a little secret we're looking forward to you sharing with us, Sam. Carry on. Well, got- well what, I've, what I've found is that, you know, there are, you know, research will tell you that there's about 75 different drivers of engagement. In Green Goldfish, we talk about what I found by looking at over a thousand examples, the top 15. But the single biggest driver of engagement, Brian, is the extent to which employees believe that their senior leaders have a sincere interest in their well-being. Right. The extent to which employees believe that their senior leaders have a sincere interest in their well-being. And so to me, one of the ways that we can do this in business is to try to be as transparent as possible in terms of how we make decisions and how we guide the direction of the business or the franchise. Not just what the decisions are, but the why behind them, right? And then based empathy, this relationship, this community, which a franchise is a natural environment for creating that circumstance. And uh, yeah, the top examples we see out there, that's actually what they do. They they are a family. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, so that's a big one. We talk about in in Green Goldfish, there are kind of building blocks, things that you need to do correctly, Brian, Mm. to how you onboard somebody on. That's a building block because people make a decision really early when they work for you, whether it's going to be a short-term engagement or a long-term engagement. Mm. So how you manage them in is absolutely important. The second B is what we call belonging. So how do you create a sense of of belonging within the organization? And that's things like team building and and recognition and flexibility, giving people control of of how they do their work. And then the kind of top of the triangle, the last B is what we call becoming. So how do you help your employees become the best version of themselves? How do you empower them? How do you train and develop them? How do you give them opportunities to kind of pay it forward and to be able to give back and be be part of something that's bigger bigger than themselves? So it really is it really is team building in as much as anything you can look at. Whether you look at a sport or a business, it's all. I mean, the top coaches that we we see coaches coming and going, and the ones that are successful have got some uncanny sixth nature ability to turn people on, to bring it's, people together, yeah. rally rallying them behind a common purpose. My my coach, so I have a speaking coach. I love this. 
he would tell you, Brian, that the word coach comes from stage coach. Okay. And and so the coach, a really good coach, is simply a vehicle that can take you from A to C much quicker than you could get there yourself. Wow. And that's the role of the coach to enable and take you on that journey. Um, <laughs> not that you couldn't do it on your own, but using that stage coach, right? You could get there much quicker. Stan, you're a resource of some fantastic stories and analogies. I love it. So here we are. We're on the Pony Express. So, uh, yeah, I suppose we, people always say to us, you know, even when we're kids, you know, the first impressions are what counts and, and they stay with you. You know, you can think of times you've met people, your description or your, your sense of them may have changed over a period of time. But that first meeting, that first short period is what sticks in your mind. If they said something, if they said something offensive or something inadvertent or they didn't bother to give you the time of day, that's what you remember. You take it personally. Mm. You take, and then you start to look for things that confirm that bias, right? Uh, yeah. Because we don't want to be wrong. Right? <laughs> you, 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 I think it's Will Rogers said, you never get a second chance mm. to make a first impression. Yes, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, lovely. Um, I, I, think we, we, I think we've worked through our suite, haven't we? Or our goldfish bowl? I think we're good. You're having breakfast. I'm about to have dinner. Let's tie a bow on this. Right, so just a couple of quick points left. Uh, I've noted I'd like you to expand a little bit what you've called your DX manifesto. Can you explain that to our listeners, please, Stan, before I let you off to fulfill your uh, your appetite? Yeah. So the DX, DX, by the way, is just those letters represent a differentiated experience. Okay. Right? So it's a differentiated experience that you provide your customers, that you provide your employees. And so you ready for the manifesto? Go for it. Your brand today is no longer what you tell people it is. It's what your customers experience. It's how they feel about the experience. It's how your customers and employees feel about that experience. And most most importantly, it's what your customers and employees tell others about that experience. All else is derivative of that and only that. So today, your actions and their actions today are building your reputation tomorrow. Yeah. You no longer can tell people what your organization is, Ryan. Yeah. Right. People are, you know, the internet is forever, right? <laughs> people are going to talk about the experience that they have and tell others. And so I think it's a much, it's the reason why I started to write 15 years ago is because I saw marketing change so quickly. Mm. And really how we differentiate going forward is solely based on the experience that we provide to our customers and our employees. Everything oh. else is outside of our control. Something to reflect on. Um, Stan, that's, that's been, that's excellent. I love that. This is, this is really a, a very engaging and enlightening conversation we're having here. And uh, I'm sure we can catch up and chat again because we do seem to find quite a lot of common ground, particularly with the work and research you've done and your experience experience when we look at the franchise sector and the and it's quite profound when you start to look at some of these points you've made really when you look at franchising and the fact your each of your franchisees is affecting the brand tomorrow and that is the whole key to franchising is that is having that brand security if you like across the whole organization and uh, not easy to achieve so i know when we were talking earlier you mentioned about maybe there'd be something you could offer people to access i suppose as a as a memento or, or to, to take their interest further what could you Sure. So I've got a, on my website 
website, I've got a free download that shares kind of the key takeaways from purple goldfish, from green goldfish and pink goldfish. And so they could go to stanphelps.com. Okay. All right. I'll print that as well on the uh, on the material that goes out. That's stan, S-T-A-N, Phelps, P-H-E-L-P-S.com. Correct. Perfect. Correct. Stan, that's perfect. And if they'd like to get in touch with you, because I know you, you're a very mobile individual doing presentations in Australia as well as the States and elsewhere, then they can contact you through your website, I'm sure. Yeah, that was the best thing. I was just in Australia back in April and May. Had an amazing time on both the West and the East Coast. It's fantastic. Right. Yeah, you get around. That's terrific. All right. Well, look, thanks very much indeed again. I hope everyone's enjoyed the session. If you've got questions of Stan, contact me, you know, where to get hold of me, or contact Stan through stanphelps.com. Sure, he'd love to hear from you. And uh, I know you'll um, you'll get to share some great experience. And I really do recommend, I'm, I don't stand to gain anything materially. I don't, I'm not on a commission basis with any of our speakers and their material, but I do really commend these books to you. They are the neatest little product that uh, I've seen for a long, long time. They're great. And I take my hat off to Stan um, for creating that. So Stan, in wrapping up, I'd like to just say thanks so much for making yourself available. It's been delightful talking to you. And uh, so I hope everyone thoroughly enjoyed the session. Anything you'd like to add in wrapping up before we you go off for dinner and I? <laughs> I'm honored to be the 150th and I wish you all the best for the next 150, Brian. Perfect. That's it. <laughs> We're on to it. Okay, everyone. Look forward to catching up with you again when we have our next Franchise Radio Show. Until then, stay well, have fun, and uh, yeah, do well to your success. Bye.